arrange your books by color? <laughs> I, it's just a thing I tried. I thought it would look cool. You know, because the, the, it might show up in the movie, so I thought it would look cool. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. You, but usually people arrange their books through alphabetical order. Yeah, but it's not like I have so many books that I won't be able to find them. And I remember what color all my books are. So if I, if I need one, I can just grab it. Yeah, what if you have a lot of books that are one color? Like I see like one section, it's all like white white books. Yeah, there's a full shelf of white books, a full shelf of black books, and the, you know, the color spectrum in between. So there's... you're segregating your books. <laughs> I'm a book racist. <laughs> but if they're white, do you go from A to Z, like no, from right to left? No, if you were saw it closely, right? you'd see that the bright white is on one end of the spectrum and the dirty white is on the other end, the off-white. Okay, all right. This is too much. This is too much for our audience to handle. I did record this. This is not something they care. Like, they yeah, can't this see is it. interesting. But no, if you Google, like, um, <laughs> the, the, a lot of people do this these days, but I thought of it independently. And then I, I Googled it and I saw, like, oh, a lot of people do this. It's like, the, you know, in the last bookstore in downtown Los Angeles, they have a section where it's all color organized. It's not very practical for selling people books, but it looks cool. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll take it. I'll just, you know. Just I, go with the flow. I'm not here to pass judgment on you. Maybe maybe not, you're right. Maybe no, you're mean, right. I'm not for an extensive library. It's just for a, you know, a moderate library. This is this is not strange at all. Not one I, bit. I don't think it's strange. Do, <laughs> okay. do you have a bookshelf? I have, yeah, but I generally just kind of like put like say my film books together and then I put, yeah. you know, novels together. I, I, I used to do that. Based on subject matter and things like mm-hmm. that. But I don't generally, uh, I, oh, you know what it is. You don't read the books. It's all just about decoration. No, I do read the books uh, too. I just in later rearrange them, especially just because it has to look aesthetic for, you know, I went through this whole process of like decluttering my house for the movie. So Mike Keller is making a movie. And so he's actually uh-huh. designing things around his house. So part of it had to do with declutterizing it. Well, there was a decluttering and then there's like a, well, look, I don't know anything about decoration, but from what I, my understanding of the, my like rudimentary understanding of style is you see there's like real estate photos and it looks like no one lives there. You just see like an empty place with furniture pieces. And then the other thing I notice is that in general, they have a very limited color palette. Like, you know, you say your living room is like blues and grays and blacks, you know? So the if you have every color imaginable, it's just like when you see a good movie or, you know, a high budget movie, they limit the color palette in the scenes. So it looks like a painting. Even a good painting has sort of a limited color palette. If you have every color in the world, it just looks like a mishmash. So since I have books, uh, they have every color in the world. I thought, let me at least organize it so it looks like a spectrum. I think you need to put every color in the world in your apartment. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I have a question. I even okay. asked the actors to wear costumes that don't clash with the room. I have a question, Mike Keller. Yes, sir. Film filmmaking genius. Filmmaking? No, you like you obviously know this stuff too. I've seen your films. Like a half of what I'm doing, I've learned from you. 
I have a question. It pertains to this podcast. So I yes. need to hone this in because you know this all has to make sense. We can't just be talking about random things like every yeah, spectrum of the I color. It all gets edited out, but whatever. Uh, yes? Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely it's important to put complementary colors in you know, anything to make it look aesthetically pleasing. But sometimes you don't want it to be aesthetically pleasing. Sometimes sure. you want to shock people with color and vibrancy, et cetera. It depends on what you're doing. Regardless of that, uh, my question is, since you're going to go ahead and make this sort of like micro-budget film, you know, low-budget film. Can I anticipate your question? Yeah, I mean, I think you are. I think you know I'm, my question, but but don't. I'm anti- guessing the no, question. No, no, no. Is... Hold on, hold on. Don't anticipate my question. Let me ask the question. Okay. <laughs> what do we talk about? We're going to just argue about whether or not I'm going to anticipate your question. So here's the question. The question is: Is you have people that you've never met before? You know, you uh-huh. auditioned them. You're bringing people together. Maybe crew members. You, maybe you have talent. You know, and they're. Obviously, they have a different dietary background than you. So my question is, are you going to have a cruelty menu that you feed those actors? (laughs) I knew that was coming. Okay, so, so far, you you know, when I have craft services, which is basically snacks on set, I mean, we've only shot one day so far, but so far, 100% of the snacks on set have been cruelty-free vegan snacks. And they don't know this. They Like, you know, I threw in some Lenny and Larry cookies. I threw in some chocolate with no milk. Like, they have not figured out that it's a vegan craft service table. But it is. Um, as for, So, like, wait, hold on, hold on, Mike. Wait, let's, you're getting ahead of yourself. So, you're sure. afraid to admit to your actors that you're feeding them a vegan menu. It just never came up and we were focused on making the movie and we didn't discuss it. And I even asked them what they want to eat. And they said, you know, one or most of them said, I don't care. And one of them said, I would like healthy snacks. I said, great, you know, veggie plate, hummus, um, apples, bananas, you know, those are healthy things. So uh, that's that. I just didn't. If they ask, I'll, I'll point it out. What if someone says, I want some pizza? Like, are you going to order them a pizza? I would try to order vegan pizza, but here's where it gets a little tricky. If someone's walking around taking their orders, I'm not going to police their orders. Maybe I should, but that's just kind of that kind of friction I I can't do. So, I mean, I think you're doing this in a very passive aggressive way. No, no, not aggressive, just passive. No, there's an aggressive quality to it as well. You don't even realize it. What's aggressive about it? The aggressive thing is you're not telling them. There's nothing aggressive. It's not like uh, harming them or something. Well, it's no, good but for it, them it, to just, eat You just vegan. need to get them together. Like, look, this is a plant-based film. All the food I'm going to provide for you is going to be plant-based, and there's all some such a great food. If you have a problem with that, leave. Whoa. I mean, maybe I should do that. Is that what you do on your film sets? No, no, we're just talking about your film set. Okay. No, I mean, you you might be right. I'm just wondering, is that what you do on your film sets? Do you give people all vegan food only? And no, you know, like when, even when it comes to like ordering meals, do you do veto meat? I pretty much do what you do. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to give you a hard time. No, no, I, I mean, I think people on my sets are just grateful that there's some food. Yeah, because they're not fed. I get. I find you know people that uh, you know have 
You find people from the street? No, no, like... no. I just find people that that make super low budget films, and they they right. they're, they they're don't expect anything. They're like they're yeah. g- grateful just to see like a carrot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the my my people have seen carrots. <laughs> oh well, see, okay, and broccoli. When you're going to provide lunch, are you going to find like purveyors like I don't know Veggie Grill or different places that I'm definitely going to the... encourage it. I'm going to try to get buy-in on Veggie Grill and things like that. Well, for example, maybe you can get those menus, and, and yes, you, you live in an area very idea. close, and so what you can do is say, hey, I've got the, who wants food, here's the Veggie Grill menu. And you don't right. have to really even tell them, you know, they're eating plant-based, but you, th- this is what you can order. And so Smart. they're gonna get a veggie burger or whatever, you know, and they're, they're if, you get a complaint like, look, I want to go to In-N-Out, you know, then you say, well, look, we can go to Monty's, but that'll be too expensive. It might be more expensive, though. It might increase your budget. Yeah. But it, I look, for the animals, it's worth it. Yes. Well, this is actually quite, uh, um, you know, a quandary when you, you know, bring people that you don't yeah, know. it really is. And especially because I think when you're making a film, you're sort of a parent, in a kind way, of. yeah, I think so. I mean, you're sort of, you know, governing people, and you're sort of you're well, you're the one that feeds them, you know, at a certain yeah. time. Yeah, you're a literal parent, and you, <laughs> you don't force veganism on your child. Yeah, but it's different with a film. You know, you can't as a director, you have the ultimate power. Yeah, it's like on one hand, yes. On one, on the other hand, like where you choose to flex your power like well, the, has well, a the, the the difference between outcome. me being a parent is mm-hmm. i'm not alone being a parent that's true you have a counter parent so sorry a a co-parent. Co-parent. so 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 if you had a co-director who was a a, car- a carnivore then mm-hmm. you guys would get into conflicts about you know which menus to force upon your your talent good point <laughs> So these so, are all things to think about. I, I see what you're saying. Every plant-based f- meal that you feed someone, that's one less animal or one fraction of an animal that is not sacrificed. Mm-hmm. And it's also about doing the right thing, doing what you feel is right. I mean, I, th- sure. I think that uh, uh, eventually, I mean, after the tenth day of you know people seeing you know veggie burgers and salads eventually they'll realize that wait a minute this guy's bamboozling us the longer i can trick them the better yeah well well congratulations on starting your first day and uh, how many days of filming are you going to be doing unclear oh that's not good what oh whatever you so you don't have a defined schedule of how many days you're going to be doing this we have days blocked out i don't you know we're doing this little little by little so i don't know how long it's going to take well we'll invite our public our vegan hacks public to come see the premiere of this film oh, that would be amazing I, you know i'm going to throw you in there somewhere oh boy let's hone in on some topics okay are you ready for some topics i love topics okay well hey uh, well first of all we hadn't really covered this because we've been having guests but did you see gordon ramsay's blt you, I saw you made a version of it, didn't you? Well, what do you think of Gordon Ramsay? I tuned him out. I don't know. I don't think anything of him. Is he the guy who yells? Yeah. He's a screamy chef. Yeah, I, he's not really on my radar. Well, the media's been pushing him, and really? he has a big, 
he has a big platform. He has like 20, right. he has a 25 million Twitter followers. He's got, you know, all these TV shows, you know, Hell's Kitchen. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's a shtick, you know, he's screaming yeah. at people. And then I, I saw that he gained kind of a relevance when he was battling that vegan teacher because he was a sort of, he stood for like meat. Uh-huh. And there was this friction that allowed him to get a bigger platform on especially on Twitter and now it seems like he's pushing a lot of vegan recipes or some vegan recipes and well that's progress also yeah I mean again it's also probably part of his shtick you know it's part of something that he's been doing to you know promote himself and maybe, yeah maybe we, represent you know, something that's you know relevant Right. As my stance has always been, I don't care about someone's intentions, only their actions. So even if it's for so-called self-serving purposes, if he's, uh, you know, going in the right direction, that's another chicken saved. Yeah. I mean, mostly, though, he's representing the meat interests and beef and different things. And but recently, I guess they like there's this um, brand of soy milk called Silk. Mm hmm. And he's a brand ambassador of it. Oh, that's surprising, but I guess a good thing. I mean, again, that, that probably that's probably why he's been presenting vegan foods. And so I, I also remember seeing this vegan bacon that he made and kind of really kind of being inspired to make my own version of it. Mm-hmm. And so... When I saw it on TikTok, it was basically the thing that made it interesting. And again, I'm sure that he has people that make the stuff for him, that he doesn't really have a lot to do with the construction, especially something that's vegan. I'm sure that maybe his wife's hands are in the video. I think it's he has someone else's hands in the video making Mm -hmm. the stuff because it's just the way they shoot it. I can see it takes all day because I, I mean, filmmaking wise, you could tell it's not going to be his hands making, you know, go, doing all the construction of these foods. He probably has some chef that has similar hands making the food, and then he does the a hand model chef front bumper. I'm sure he does. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, you know, you don't see him physically making the food. You see tight shots of hands. You know, so, but it, but the interesting thing about the bacon was was the use of tofu, and what he did is he marinated tofu. And then he kind of trapped the tofu in rice paper. And I found that to be an interesting technique. I mean, I've seen similar techniques, but I found that technique to be interesting because I, I wanted to stress test it. How and do you trap tofu in rice paper? You wrap it? What you do is you, you crumble it up with a fork mm-hmm. and then you marinate it in, I mean, all sorts of fake bacons, basically marinated other stuff. So you marinate it in a bacony juice which is bacon flavor which would be soy sauce and stuff soy sauce maple syrup so like sometimes cayenne pepper uh some you know uh, uh smoked paprika uh just just to get a flavor you know that kind of uh, maple syrup you know just that bacony flavor it's a super messy process too it's not it's not the most efficient process that's why he has hand models you basically take rice paper and you slice it into strips then you put crumbled tofu on it then you put another slice of of rice paper on top of that and the rice paper has actually been 
uh, marinated. So it's been actually it's it's got been marinated in its bacon juice too. So it's sti- it's not really marinated. You dip it and and it get it sucks it up already. And then you you basically sandwich the two layers of rice paper with the tofu in between. Sounds like it could be yummy. Yeah, no, it's actually delicious. And uh, the thing that surprised me about the recipe was actually stress testing and actually making it work. It actually worked very well. In fact, it was very a very effective fake bacon. And in, in fact, I mean, the, the real challenge was to try to make that concoction crispy. And because it's it's difficult to for that because the the tofu is so moist and and kind of leaded down by the marinade that it that you really have to like cook it and bake it and then we actually pan fried it as well because it's just like you get to this point where you want it crisp but you don't want to burn it. And there was a lot of TikTok creators that created this, especially a lot of ve- people in the vegan space that created it. It's like it. tracing over. You know, it's like copying someone's painting. Sort of. They kind of hid the bacon in okay. in the Gordon Ramsay video. That's why, and, and it was the most important thing. I mean, he's making a BLT and he's it using... It was the star. It was the star. It was the fake bacon. But the way he shot it too, he mixed like real bacon with fake bacon in, in the first shots. It was kind of this stagger shot of real bacon fake bacon real bacon fake bacon you know and, and, and so it, and then, uh, yeah it, there was a little real bacon should it stay out yeah i know but there was a little bit of there was a little bit of hedging with that particular video mm-hmm. and so that's why i think it was important to sort of stress test it and make it try to make it work and the and you the, did i well i mean it was definitely a very successful recipe that it actually worked I mean, I'm sure if you can make it over and over again, you can replicate it and learn how to make it in a more consistent basis. It takes a long time to sort of say, okay, well, let's try this on the stovetop. Let's try this in the oven. Let's see how many times. So, and, and because it's bacon, you can try it over and over again until it works right. Mm-hmm. And um, then you have your recipe going forward. And, and most importantly, I got over a million views on my TikTok. So, you know, I'm happy. Dang, boy. <laughs> So it's all about the clout, you know? If you can get yeah. clout. I'm probably in the same boat when it comes to Gordon Ramsay. I mean, I, I I know it's an act. He's not important to me. But again, if someone who has his platform starts celebrating, you know, vegan food or bringing vegan food to the forefront. And, and I also even noticed, like, a lot of, like, maybe sort of middle-of-the-road trolls because they he makes fake bacon more acceptable and i even mm-hmm. noticed it from the trolling because people were less apt to troll because it was a gordon ramsay recipe than some recipe like hey it's here's banana peel bacon or here's this mm-hmm. other ba-. because i've put out a lot of different bacon recipes but bacons are your your um battleground i'm a bacon specialist <laughs> A fake mm-hmm. bacon specialist. A fakin. I think the the real thing isn't the necessarily the flavor of the bacon, but it's actually just texture. That's what we're working with. You know, texture is the most important thing when it comes to making fake bacon. I don't know if this is the one or the one before that or the other one, but we've reached 50 episodes. Congratulations. Congratulations Yay. to you, Mike Keller. You're part you, of the success and the ever-loving you. wonder that is the Vegan Hacks podcast. 
But here's the other crazy thought. This is 50, but 52 makes a year. We're about to reach a year. That's a large percentage of our lives. What does that mean? It means we've been at it. <laughs> is it time for a to while. quit? <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. I quit. It's over. No, this is uh, fighting the good fight. I'm with you. All right. Well, so it's been almost a year. So almost you, a year. So two how more episodes till their our anniversary. Well, actually, I posted episode 49 today. Okay. So, so the next one there. will be 50, and then 51, and then and then poof. And then 52 cards in a deck. Mm-hmm. 52 yeah, so. card pickup. I always thought that the milestone is 100, though. We have to get to 100. That's when we can get syndication. <laughs> <laughs>